Welcome to the story behind her success with Candy O'Terry, presented by Boston Women in Media and Entertainment. Sponsored by Tech Help Boston. If you want to get someone's attention, just tell them a great story. If you want to inspire someone, share your success story. And that's what the show is all about. It is a beautiful day in Palm Springs, California, where the famous Palm Springs Film Festival has just kicked off. And the goal is to talk to women in film. I want to get a bird's eye view into the film industry in 2020 and to find out how these women got to where they are today. I feel very fortunate to be talking to filmmaker Sophie Duras. She is the director of Canada's selection for the 92nd Academy Awards for her adaptation of Antigone. Now, it didn't make it to the final cut, but to me that doesn't matter because this is a story that made its debut 2,500 years ago, and it still works. The Greek tragedy, originally written by Sophocles, resonated with Sophie because of the story's timeless messages about family, loyalty, truth, social responsibility, and sacrifice. Sophie, welcome to the show. Thank you for, for that great introduction. Oh, you're so welcome. <laughs> I have so many questions to ask you. First of all, what was it about this story that inspired you? I know your adaptation contemporizes the story. It's a teenage girl, immigrant life in Montreal. Tell us a little bit about the storyline. I have to say first that I was very inspired by uh, the play that I read when I was in my early 20s, Antigone. I first read an adaptation by Jean Anouilh, which is famous in the Frank, uh, Francophone world. And then I, like the day after, I had the Sophocles in my hand because I really wanted to know what was the source of such a strong, intelligent female character like I had never read before. And it just made me realize how like there aren't that many female characters that made it through history that I could relate to as a young woman in her 20s. Isn't it amazing that when a story is a great story, it stands the test of time? Actually, it's sad to say, but not that many stories that have women as a central character did make it. Uh, but Antigone did. Yes, absolutely. So how did you contemporize the story? I felt like, what, what is Antigone? Like a young woman who stands against the law because there's something she believes in that is stronger than the written law of man. My adaptation is, it stands on its own. You don't have to know about Sophocles. If you do, then it adds layers, I think. But it's the story of a young woman who comes from an immigrant family. They arrived when she was three years old. She lives in Montreal, Canada, as if it was her home country. She speaks the language, which is French, and she feels at home. When her older brother is gunned down by police in a Montreal park accidentally, her other brother is threatened of deportation because he is a resident of Canada. He's legal in Canada, but he, he doesn't have the citizenship. She feels she has to step up and speak for her family, for the injustices she feels they are the victims of. This A student now goes against the law in order first to have her older brother like free from jail. And then she has this negotiation with what is authority, which is like a police, justice, penitentiary, and et cetera. Immigration is such a hot topic here in the United States and obviously around the world and yes. Canada too. How do you want audiences to feel when they walk out of the theater and they've seen your version of Antigone? 
The film was released in Toronto at TIFF, uh, Toronto International Film Festival. So it was in September, a few months ago, and I've shown the film in many places since around the world. I see like how emotional the reaction is. I think that's what I wanted, but not knowing exactly what it would be, but I wanted the audience to connect with Antigone, with her sense of justice, her sacrifice. It's not only tragic, because it is. She puts like her future in danger. At the same time, she, she does it because of something like she, that is very strong about her, about the sense of love, of, of solidarity. And so her sacrifice is in a way very uplifting. I see how people, they do, they do cry a lot for real, but at the same time, they feel energized and they feel there's something so beautiful about Antigone herself. You know, I've had the honor to interview other directors at the Palm Springs Film Festival. Some of them like to go to their screenings and some of them don't. Are you ever worried when you're in a screening? Do you ever say to yourself, oh, I hope people like my movie? How do you feel? It's like your baby, right? Absolutely. I have to say that the premiere is quite stressful. But then I felt it in the theater, uh, how like the audience responded to uh, to Could the Could you film. feel the yeah. emotion in the theater? Oh, absolutely. We hear the emotion. Wow. <laughs> yes. That must yeah. feel so good as a director. Women in film are making waves. This used to be a man's world. What do women directors bring to their jobs that men might not? First of all, I think we bring like uh, female characters that are dimensioned, and that doesn't mean that they are better or, or stronger, but they are more complex. And that is, I think, very uh, salvatory. Maybe an understanding of femininity. Absolutely. The female yeah. psyche. Yes, we've seen a lot of films, so it's quite good now to change the recipe, <laughs> to, to taste something a little different. So it, like men will continue doing great films, but now we have this other way of putting a lens on female characters, and, and not only female, but all diversity, actually. Talk to me a little bit about your cast. How did you know when you had the right people to play these incredible characters? Antigone has a family. There are four siblings, her two brothers and her sister. Since they are from an Algerian family, I knew that I wouldn't find all of them via the regular like casting agencies. And, and so I did this open casting I had like more than 800 applications. I read them all and I had many questions for them. An application meant you had to answer many questions right. and send pictures. And from the 850 or something, I took 300 of them. I met personally with 150 of them. Not only did I meet the actors that could play the family, but also I had a great view of what is the youth of today. I adapted the ancient Greek chorus into like the social media and how people do react to such a story that is in the media and like Antigone's story, like her brother being uh, killed and her taking the place of her other brother in jail. So that gets the attention of young people that are expressing themselves in the social sphere, social media. I had a great pool of young, talented, very uh, diverse young people that now live in Montreal. And, and it feels like it could be uh, the same kind of people in North America in general. Do you believe in star power? Do you think that some people, when they walk in the room, there's just something about them? 
I know it can sound unfair to some actors that are very, very good at acting, but some do have a charisma. And Naima Ritchie, who plays Antigone, has this type of charisma. The camera sees her depth. There's something about her, even when you meet her in person, there's something quite special and almost intimidating. She is huge. She has it. She's yes. got it, right? The it factor. Yes. There's a close-up of her in the movie with tears streaming down her face and these beautiful eyes. I believe the camera is a truth tool. The camera sees right through you, and you can't lie to the camera. Is that true? The camera senses when someone is off the track, but when an actor can impersonate and really feel the emotions, like there's something that, yeah, it's true. I do the camera work. I'm the cinematographer. My Screenwriter, film. cinematographer, director. You have so many hats to wear. Even when I have the actors auditioning for me, like that's what I'm looking for. I am behind the camera, even the small camera. That's what I'm looking for. I want to see inside them. And I, and I want to set the perfect ground so that they will feel comfortable and they will be confident. In, in, and in, show you yes. that. Let's talk a little bit about when you were growing up. Sophie, you seem so passionate about your work as a director. Did you always know what you wanted to do with your life? Actually, no. I was interested in so many things and I felt I wasn't excellent at anything. I connected to artists and art all my life. It happened almost randomly that I took an extra class at university in film. Just I was studying literature. And then... Did, it did just like a little light bulb go off? Absolutely. Like I was passionate about theory and most students didn't like that class. But I felt like in film, I will find all that I'm interested in, be it like music, photography, philosophy, storytelling anthropology, if you wish, like all I was interested in, I could put in a film and I could express something about the world we live in or question the world we live in. And I have to say that we remake the world in a film, in a frame by bringing like actors together, telling a story, framing it and then adding the sound. And there's something quite powerful about that. When you were coming up as a young director, was there anyone who was your mentor, took you by the hand, showed you some things? Did you learn from someone? When I was 17, I went to Austria to study art. And I couldn't speak the language. I learned it. But at first, I couldn't understand like German. But I was just drawing and painting. The teacher there, he took me like as like... First, I was like the one that doesn't understand. I was kind of stupid, maybe, uh, in his like Maybe he, you needed his extra help because the, the language but, difference, right? Yes, but, but then he realized how I could connect with art. And he said something quite powerful. Art is a consolation. The world we live in is so imperfect and sometimes quite sad. But with art, we can like model something shifted in a different direction and that I felt like I, I connected what skills well do it. you need Sophie to be a really good director what are the skills you have to work very very hard to be passionate about your work to also have perseverance and then being able to listen listen to people to the world 
our surrounding is our inspiration to recreate it on screen and having some sort of antennas to put things together, to do connections. When an obstacle is in your path, how do you get around it? Oh, I, I never get a no for an answer, that's for sure. <laughs> I'll always manage to get around it. Of course, like this is part of the perseverance. There's nothing that can stop me, us, because we, we work as a team always in film. I will never give up, that's for sure. And, but I'll find a way around it, but never give up. What is the best piece of wisdom or advice you've ever received in your life? Maybe a mantra that you live by, something that you truly believe in that keeps you strong every day. It has to do with self-confidence. And there are days when we don't feel that confidence. And those days, you have to just leave your work on the side and do the dishes, do something else. Like, go walk under the sun. Because I know in a couple of days, I'll find that confidence again. And that you absolutely need in order to pursue writing a script and being a filmmaker. Success means different things to people at different chapters in their lives. Right now at this very moment, here we are at the Palm Springs Film Festival and people from all around the world are watching your film. What does success mean to you, Sophie? It's very simple. It has to do with connection and sharing. When I have a film that an audience can see and I, I receive their emotion or it can be also reviews or criticism or but at least there's a connection, there's something we share. And of course, we like the awards and being able to sell the film to different countries or it's all about sharing and connecting. Sophie, say your full name for me one more time. Sophie DeRasp. I love the way you talk. I'm so proud to meet you, spend some time with you and hear your success story this week on the story behind her success. Best of luck to you. Oh, thank you so much. Please support our sponsors. They make this show possible. More than 30,000 families and businesses have trusted TechHelpBoston.com since the year 2000. Dave Elmazian, president of Tech Help Boston, with the reasons why. We like to establish a relationship with our customers, and the best way to do that is see them in their natural setting, so to speak, and that's in their home. We come to you, we work with you on your equipment in a setting that's comfortable for you, and also we can test better that way, because if you have a printing problem or whatever, and we bring it to a shop, it may work great in the shop, but might not work in your home. So this way we know for sure everything is working the way that it should. TechHelpBoston.com. Their experts will come to your home or office to fix your computer same day, next day, and weekends too. Visit TechHelpBoston.com. That's TechHelpBoston.com. It's Candy O'Terry, and I am here in Palm Springs, California at the Palm Springs Film Festival, and I'm so delighted to be talking to Shannon Murphy. She is the director of a movie that is really making waves. It's called Baby Teeth. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm so delighted to talk to you. This is a really big day for you because Variety says you're one of the 10 directors to watch. How does that feel? Uh, it feels amazing, actually. I flew in from Australia yesterday. I'm pretty confused, I have to say, but this is the most incredible place to be because Palm Springs sort of feels like a dream. Doesn't it? All the visuals, the pink sunsets, the mountains. The snow-capped mountains. Oh, it's just stunning. And then also to, of course, have had brunch with people like Lena Waithe and Robert De Niro and all these amazing directors is... Um, I mean, my gosh, who wouldn't be enjoying it? You know, it's a long road to get to where you are today, and it doesn't happen overnight. What has been the hardest part of your climb as a director? 
I think getting people to really take you seriously. It can be a little bit harder for women to be seen in leadership roles, and that's changed now. There's definitely a desire to celebrate that and to pay attention to it. Previously, it was tricky. Yeah, and also I guess, you know, sometimes people make judgments about, you know, appearance and what have you, and often trying to get somewhere when you're a younger female director. I'm not young anymore, but... Yes, you are. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I read somewhere that you said, most of my career, I've been the only female in the room. So as a woman in the room full of men, how do you make sure that your voice is heard? What I've learned over the years is that I have to just stay really authentic and true to myself. My friend, Mira Fox, who made a film called Judy and Punch, she said she saw a Jill Soloway talk. And what really struck her about that was she said, you know, she used to think that people found her personality too much. And now she's embracing the too much and just going with that. And it really clicked with me. And Mira said she'd stopped censoring herself after that. And I feel like it's advice that I've taken on board. You know, I've just owned my sort of, I guess, honest, upfront behavior, which I felt like before was not as kosher. You adapted Baby Teeth from a stage play. And so I'm wondering, what was it about the storyline that connected you and told you you had to do this project? Well, firstly, the writer Rita Carnier has such an incredibly strong and unique voice. And for me, as a director who doesn't write my own material, I really want someone's voice to be very strong in the writing. And it has to feel like my voice, even though it's not. So there's got to be a lot of ideology and visuals and and things that I know are how I would like to interpret a story in the world. And it's a beautiful love story. It's a very complicated love story. And I've loved stories about very dysfunctional but lovable characters. And all four of them are in this. January here in the United States is National Mentoring Month. So I wanted to ask you if there's been anyone in your career who took you under their wing and mentored you. There's an amazing producer in Australia called Imogen Banks, and she, straight out of film school, took me under her wing and allowed me to be an intern for six months and watch how television is made from a producer's perspective. So I learned a lot, and she also gave me my first TV job. I owe a lot to her. Here we are just about to go into the screening for Baby Teeth. As the director, this must feel like your baby. Do you get a little nervous every time you go into a screening? How do you feel about it? It's first night jitters over and over again. And in the theatre world where I came from, you know, you only get that once. But with a film, I do think you get it every time you're in a new country with a new audience because they'll breathe and laugh and feel things in different ways. And so that's why for me the Q&As are always very interesting because I get to hear different interpretations of the work. Producers were looking for a first-time director with fresh energy. Can you tell us the story about when you walked in the room? I had an interview with Jan Chapman and Alex White. Were you like so terrified? I was completely freaking out because as I walked in, I'd also taken like three beta blockers because I was so (laughs) scared. And I walked in and Alex did not help me by saying, oh, this is the piano from the piano as I entered. And I was like, oh, God, I'm going to vomit. And then I sat down. I was super nervous, but I actually just thought I've got to stay true to my thoughts about the script and be really open about what. I would do. Uh, Luckily it went well. The best thing was too though, Jan left early from the meeting and wrote to Alex saying, this is it, she's great. And it popped up on the laptop in front of us and I couldn't stop laughing because I thought, what if she'd said something else? (laughs) And I would have seen it. It took me like two hours. I just kept walking home in circles because I couldn't relax. I was so excited. 
do you love what you do? Oh, I'm obsessed with it. I, I knew when I was 17 that I wanted to be a director and it's all I've pursued ever since. And if you ask anyone that knows me, they'll describe me as someone who's always been incredibly ambitious about directing and it's all I think about. It's my passion. The film is called Baby Teeth. How do you want the audience to feel when they walk out the door today? I want them to all feel something that will last for longer than just the moment that they watch today. And I hope that they continue thinking about it for a while. And also that it's all based on their own individual lives, how they will experience it. So I can never, never offer what it will be, to be honest. I can just only show. Last question. At this point in your career, at this chapter in your life, because I believe as women we have chapters in our lives, what does success mean to you? I think it's having the freedom to be as creative as I can be. Shannon, I want to say thank you so much for being our guest this week on the story behind her success. Shannon Murphy, director of Baby Teeth, go and see it. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the story behind her success with Candy O'Terry. This is a series with one goal in mind, to shine the spotlight on women doing great things with their lives. We hope these weekly stories will motivate and inspire you. If you'd like to suggest someone for Candy to interview, she'd love to hear about it. Connect with her anytime on Facebook, Twitter, and her website, CandyOterry.com. That's C-A-N-D-Y-O-T-E-R-R-Y.com. You'll find all of these links in the show notes. What's your story?